We are, uh, this is week two of our um, series. You didn't know it was a series, did you? Well, now you do. Uh, of of um, some thoughts on prayer and being able to, being able to um, just really, I guess, understand prayer better, but not, not just for the sake of understanding, but for the sake of living, for the sake of of praying. This was, uh, if you recall, last week I told you, prompted by a discussion in Dean's Sunday school class a couple of weeks ago, as well as the events of, of what was going on uh, the week before that and the week after that. And as I was, as I was, uh, I'm just sort of taking you on my thinking process, really, as we were, as I was going through some of that, and uh, I was prompted by all those things that came along, came together. Um, in some ways, these are random thoughts, but I also don't believe in random thoughts. Um, just, a, just a thought for you there. Uh, yeah, the, the the whole reality, I think. What I, I may not be sharing anything new with you today, but we, you know, we do need reminders of some things. And as you know, I'm hoping we can reinforce some important points on prayer. Um, that's what it's done for me. Some things that God has taught me and he has continued to remind me of because we need reminders, don't we? I mean, we really do. We need, we need reminders and we need reminders from God in our walk with him. Now, as I go through this, there's certainly going to be more thoughts that come to you. Uh, you know, jot them down. Don't make David Ulrey be the only one that writes down his own thoughts while we're, while we're doing this. You know, uh, whatever God prompts in your mind, whatever he prompts in you, you know, write that down. Write down other inserts, inserts, uh, other thoughts. Uh, there's plenty of space for you in the outline. It's kind of interesting because this is one of the fuller outlines, but it's right there. So if he prompts you on something, jot it down. Let's pray. We're going to get into our passage. Father, thank you for the way in which you work in hearts and lives, which is way beyond what we what we uh, realize, what we think. And we don't even realize it about ourselves sometimes. I thank you for the way that you uh, speak to us. And it's through your word. It's through, um, well, when we share in sermons, it's through... Uh, even sometimes just comments other people make to us and to see your leading and guiding in that. Help us to seek after your heart. Help us to understand you a little bit more now as we look into your word. Uh, an old story? Well, in some ways, yes, because your word and you, uh, you don't change in regard to who you are in regard to the way um, that you want your people to know you and understand you and, and live with you and live for you. Um, and that, that's not changed. And so as we look at this passage today, teach us, because your word is very relevant and very much a part of the people we should be. So uh, to you, we want to commit this time as we look and as we open up your word, guide us, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Jonah. If you've never been in the book of Jonah, this is a good time for you to get there. Page 851 in the Pew Bible. If you're using something else, um, find it on your own. If you need to, use the, the first book of the Bible, which is the table of contents. Well, okay, that's not the first book of the Bible, but it's the first thing that shows up in your Bible, uh, one of them anyway, uh, you know, and get to, get to the book of Jonah. Now, as we talk about prayer, remember our very basic definition that we looked at last week. We, it's just really just talking with God. That is a definition I would give you of prayer. It's just talking with God as you talk with other people. 
Now, for you introverts, it's a little harder. But you know, the uh, you know, talking, you know, just just talking with God. We're going to read the whole chapter of the book of Jonah, but we're going to do it in sections. So, as you have it there, keep it handy. And we're just going to pull out some thoughts as we ramble through it. Verse one, chapter one, verse one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their wickedness has confronted me. Their wickedness has come up before me. Their wickedness is staring me in the face. Their wickedness has been real obvious is what he's saying. Verse 3. However, Jonah, that's not a good thing there. However, Jonah got up uh, to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it uh, to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Hmm. That's what he thought. Verse 4, Then the Lord hurled a violent wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose on the sea that the ship was threatened to break apart. The sailors were afraid, rightfully so, and each one cried out to his God. Hmm, not good. Then they threw the ship. Some of this is extra comments. You'd say my Bible doesn't say that. Just, you know, some of us are a couple extra comments there, just so you know. They threw the ship's cargo into the sea to lighten the load. Meanwhile, Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the vessel and had stretched out and fallen into a deep sleep. The captain approached him and said, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up. Call to your God. Maybe this God will consider us and we won't perish. Now, here, you know, here's the, here's the captain of the ship. He's a little bit more concerned about, about the, uh, the people than the prophet of God. What an embarrassment. Verse 7, come on, the sailors said to each other. Let's cast lots. Then we'll know who is to blame for this trouble we're in. So they cast lots, and the lots singled out Jonah. Hmm. Then they said to him, tell us, who is to blame for this trouble we're in? Uh, you know, they saw him as a man of, well, the, the, let me rephrase that. They not necessarily saw him as a man of God. They saw him as, here's, here's one that can at least give you some information. So he says, you know, they said to him, tell us, who's to blame for this trouble we're in? What is your business and where are you from? What is your country and what people are you from? There's a bunch of good questions for this guy as he's running. Let's pause there for just a minute. You know, this book begins with clear communication from God. And again, you know, just that it's talking with God. Now, we assume sometimes as we read this uh, that God spoke audibly to Jonah. And, and it, you know, maybe he did. It could be that he did. But it doesn't say that that's what he did. You know, maybe God communicated to Jonah, you know, through circumstances and that inner witness of his spirit. That's how he most often communicates, I would say, to me. But I feel pretty accurate in saying that's most often how he communicates period uh, you know they, i have never heard the audible voice of god in the sense of god speaking down from heaven pay attention that's not i've never heard that you know uh but i have heard god speak to me what are you doing man you know that inner witness of the spirit that 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 uh, it sometimes through the voice of my lovely bride, you know, who might even use those exact words to me. But, uh, you know, that, that, that same thing where, where there's no doubt in my mind that God is communicating to me. As I read his word and I see things in there, you know, and it, and it tells me to love your enemies. And it tells me to overcome evil with good. You see, God does speak to us, and He speaks to us very clearly. Well, here, uh, you know, He He spoke, uh, you know, to Jonah, and we sometimes get that feeling that God's directing us to do something, to go, you know, go somewhere, to t talk to a particular person, to, you know, to do something uh, for an individual, or, or, or to get, 
in our own life to either, you know, get something straightened out or, or you know, continue on with something we're doing. It, very often we see those. Now, the response here from Jonah was direct disobedience. He went in the exact opposite direction of where he was called to go. God told him, you know, God told him to go uh, there and he went there. You know, he, they, he went in the exact opposite direction of where God called him to go. So it says God put a violent storm. God comes along and his violent storm comes from God. I, why do I say that? Because that's what the, the Bible says there. That God brought, you know, God brought this, he hurled a violent storm. Verse 4. You know, he hurled a violent storm at him. I like the way that's that's worded, worded, you know, he just hurled this violent, this violent storm at him. Well, now Jonah sleeps, you know, he goes down to the bottom and sleeps. Um, Two reasons in my mind that he would do that, uh, besides the fact that he was tired. One is that he still had confidence in God, that God was going to watch over him. Or the second one is the guy had a death wish, which as we go through this book, you'll see he kind of did have that. We're not told exactly why he slept, but those things are out there. But I found it very interesting. That he says that, you know, in, at the end of verse 3, he went down to go to Tarshish from the, from, from the Lord's presence. I mean, it's kind of comical, particularly for a prophet of God to believe that. Um, we're not going to be able to hide from God's presence. Psalm 139 says it very clearly for us. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's the opposite direction, uh, you know, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I foolishly say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Grab a hold of that reality. You cannot hide from God. You can't hide from God. You're not going to do it. If you think you're doing... A lot of times when we do something we know we shouldn't, we will sometimes look around to make sure that nobody is watching. God's always, God's, God always sees it. You know, he, he sees what you're doing in that room by yourself. He sees what you're, what you're watching on TV, what you're looking at on your computer. He sees what it is that you're reading. He sees and he knows. You're not, you, you, you know, you can't hide from God. Get that through your head. Let's pick up verse 9, chapter 1, verse 9. He answered them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This is the God. This would be the God they want to get in contact with here at this point. Verse 10. Then the man were even more afraid and said to him, What have you done? The men knew that he was fleeing from the Lord's presence because he told them. Uh, so they said to him, What should we do to you to calm the sea that is against us? For the sea was getting worse and worse. And here you get the first picture of Jonah's death wish there. He answered them, Pick me up and throw me into this sea so that it may quiet down for you. For I know that I'm to blame for this violent storm that is against you. See, there was no doubt in Jonah's mind. God was still working there. Verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rowed hard. That, that, the, 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 those words are, you know, the pictures that they dug in with the oars. They were really trying to, you know, they were really working here, uh, trying, to, trying to get this. They were, you know, they were rowing, uh, you know, in, in, against the storm, uh, trying to get back to dry land. They couldn't because the sea was raging against them more and more. Verse 14, so they called out to the Lord, please, Yahweh, don't let us perish because of this knucklehead's life. 
It was a paraphrase. Because of this man's life. And don't charge us with innocent blood. For you, Yahweh, have done just as you pleased. These guys get it. Verse 15. Then they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea stopped its raging. The men feared the Lord even more. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. Now Jonah readily admits here, let's pause there, and he readily admits here that he's running from God. You know, be honest, particularly about God. When somebody's talking to you, you know, about God and about your walk with Him, you know, be honest. It, it, be honest about God. Be honest to God. Uh, now, when I say be honest about God, here's the thing for you. Don't, don't try to excuse your behavior. Don't try to excuse it. Don't try to, you know, don't try to make an excuse for ignoring God. You know, don't make excuses. Don't try to excuse it all. Verse 10 says, you know, that you get the picture here. Those with no relationship with God, they're exhibiting a clearer picture, you know, of God than Jonah did. A clearer picture of, you know, of what a relationship with God is than God's prophet did. And you have in verse 14, now the sailors are praying. They're talking with God. You know, they're, 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 you know, theirs, now theirs is from a position of ignorance. They didn't know too much, except they knew at this point, this is the God they needed to talk to. You know, this is the one they needed to connect with. I kind of wondered as I was reading this and, you know, studying, I, I just kind of wonder if some of them came to a saving relationship, you know, with God as a result of this. It would be really cool, you know, what a... Just to know. We're not told anywhere else, but, you know, just to, just to know that. As I was reading this, it's just a reminder to me, you know, that uh, God uses our mistakes. You know, He uses our mistakes and even our sin for His good. He may even use our mistakes and our sin to save others. Now, a warning for you here. You know, don't use this as an excuse to sin or to ignore God. You know, in Romans, Paul writes, should we continue to sin so that grace may increase? He says, God forbid. May it never be. Don't do that. You know, so when I'm telling you that God uses our mistakes, you know, and even our sin, and he can use those for good and maybe even to save someone, don't do, never, don't ever use this as an excuse for sin. I would prefer to be a good example. I, I would prefer to be an example for good for God. That's what the goal should be. Pick up with me. Chapter 2, verse 1. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. This, this, look, listen to this picture here. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. What a picture. The waters engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prisons and bars closed behind me forever. But you raised me from the pit, Lord my God. 
As my life was fading away, I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, what a frightening, frightening, uncomfortable place to be in here, inside of a fish. You know, now notice it doesn't say a whale. It just says a fish. And, you know, people can debate, oh, man, a fish can't swallow. Yes, it can. It's done it before. And, you know, and even if it couldn't, I have no problems with the fact that God miraculously produced a fish that could. I have no problem with that. If you do, well, you know, look up whales and even great white sharks and things like that. But at any rate, you know, he is in an uncomfortable place, you know, and, and now God has his attention. You know, God is, uh, where it says, uh, you know, the seaweed wrapped around my head and stuff and, and the picture. And I have to have another MRI on Thursday. I thought it was next year, but it's this year, you know, to, to check on the tumors and all that stuff. So when I go in, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little unpleasant. Um, you know, I say, well, it's only an MRI. Well, I was doing fine with MRIs and, uh, until something happened one time, and then now they just freak me out a little bit. So I have to take a sedative. Well, what they do, one of the things they do, uh, I will, I'll lay on my back, and, you know, I have to go in head first. And um, they, my head goes into a, an apparatus uh, so that my head can't move. Uh, so my head is fixed to that table. And then they put wedges in next to my head to make sure that it doesn't move at all. You know, so when it says the seaweed, you know, wrapped around my head, uh, boy, I got a picture there. You know, I got a picture of what, uh, you know, that comes to my mind very vividly, you know, on that. And then, the, you know, they're going to shove me into this tight space, um, you know, and, and so and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but, you know, don't make God pin you down to get your attention. Don't make him pin you down to get your attention. Jonah had to get pinned down. I can't, I, I, I just cannot imagine that this was a very pleasant experience. And I, I think Jonah didn't look or smell too nice because the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah uh, on the dry land. Fish vomit has never been my, my uh, desire to look like or to smell like. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1, let's move on. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. So Jonah got up, and I hope he took a bath, but he went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now, Nineveh was an extremely large city, a three-day walk. It, it, you know, that means it took him three days to walk across the city. And Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In forty days, Nineveh will be demolished. The men of Nineveh believed in God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. That was them showing distress. Uh, then he issued a decree in Nineveh. 
By order of the king and his nobles, no man or beast, herd or flock, is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both man and beast must be covered with sackcloth, and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from the violence he is doing. Who knows? May, God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. Then God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster that he had threatened to do to them, and he did not do it. Now here, you know, God very graciously, you know, very graciously here communicates to Jonah once again that what he wanted him to do. He could have just fried Jonah, you know, and made it made a toasty prophet and sent someone else, but he didn't do that. He chose to continue to use Jonah. Now this time Jonah did what God said. It's always best to obey what God makes clear. It is always best to obey what God makes clear. Now, I will tell you that I think the overwhelming majority of his word in the Bible is very clear. Do not murder. It's pretty clear. Love your enemies. Pretty clear. Overcome evil with good. Pretty clear. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. Pretty clear. You know, he's, he's very, most of his word is pretty clear. You know, it's always best to obey what God makes clear. Jonah would have saved himself some discomfort. He would have saved himself some embarrassment, some agony if he would obey God when God made it very clear in the beginning. But like Jonah, some of us don't learn so quickly. Now just keep in mind here, you know, even obeying later is better than ignoring God. You know, even obeying later is much better than ignoring God. I saw this somewhere and I found it oddly comforting. When God put a calling on your life, he already factored in your stupidity. I, I, like I said, I, I, found that oddly, I found that oddly comforting. Now, it's not an excuse to be stupid. It's not an excuse to ignore God. But remember, the very best time to obey God is right away. Right away is the very best time to obey God. You know, that, that when he tells you something, that you begin to obey, that, that you begin to do, that you do what he says. And you say, well, what happens, what happens if I didn't do it? Well, the second best time to obey God is right now. Today. Today is that second best time. You know, you, you know if, if you already let some of it go by, start now. You know, start now with what he said. Verse 10. Uh, well, just a side note here. I found it very interesting in verse 7 and 8. I, I find them kind of odd. Did, did you notice there? The king includes the animals in the fast. Now, not only did he include the animals in the fast, he, inc- <laughs> he included the animals in the wearing of sackcloth and, and sitting in ashes. I just, I would like to see these guys dressing their donkey in sackcloth. Just, I just, sometimes, you know, there's some humor in the Bible. Uh, but you know, the best time to obey God is right away. The second best time is right now. And in verse 10, you know, it says that God relented. I, I would, you know, I would tell you, God didn't change his mind here. The people changed their mind. They repented. It says that they had turned from their evil ways and they began to live for God. And as they turned from their evil ways and began to live for God, the situation changed and God no longer had a situation that needed punishment. 
when he told them they were living in a situation that if they continued was going to result in punishment. They changed that and left that sin and began, uh, began to follow God. And God no longer had a situation to punish, and he wasn't going to punish them, the people who had repented. Yes, there can still be consequences for sin. You know, there, there can still be consequences for sin. Yeah, if you know you have you know you abuse drugs, you could end up you know with withdrawal and all these other things. You you know you have sex you know before you're married, and you can end you know you can end up with a child. You there are consequences. It sounds bad to call a kid a consequence. That doesn't negate the kid at all. You know, but yes, there can still be consequences. You know, to your sin, you need to understand that. You know, but with the situation changes. Uh, you know, God will do what he can to help you do well. He will not help you sin. But he w- does want you to do better. You know, so verse, chapter 4, verse 1, follow along. Finish this stuff up a little bit here. Uh, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. I just, this guy is something else, isn't he? He became furious, verse 2. He then prayed to the Lord, please, Lord. Isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to become angry, rich in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Now, look at this. Jonah's mad here because people chose to follow God. He's mad because people chose to follow God. Uh, Really, he was mad. What he was mad about, he was mad because the people didn't get punished. And he wanted them to suffer. You know, so he's mad here because they weren't getting punished. Verse two, you know, he knew what kind of what kind of God, you know, God is. You know, he said, you know, I, I know you're merciful, compassionate, slow to become angry, rich in faithful love. That's that word has said. We we talked about that a month or so ago. You know, that that word has said, which to them indicates that covenantal love of God. You know, that that God is this kind of a God, merciful, compassionate, slow to become angry, and rich in His love. He's rich in those things. You know, it's a you know, to, to one who would, you know, that he's one who would rather not send a disaster. So don't be surprised when God holds true to his character, despite your feelings. Don't be surprised when he holds true to who he is. You know, exactly who he is. God's actions are determined by the fact that he is God. They are not determined by our by our feelings and our desires God's actions are not determined by our feelings and our desires God's actions are determined by the fact that he is God We need to grasp a hold uh, you know, of that reality because our feelings our desires are too often misplaced they're motivated by our limited vision they are motivated by our limited understanding Jonah wanted to die here. You know, it's a good thing God doesn't always give us what we ask for. It's a good thing he always doesn't give us what we think we want. It's a good thing he doesn't, you know, give us every single request that we make. Jonah here is speaking from depression or hurt feelings or anger. Certainly not from rationality. Pick up with me, verse 4. 
the Lord asked, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and sat down east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in the shade tree to see what would happen to the city. He sat there to see what... He sat there because he still wanted the city punished. He still wanted the city smoked. And he, was, and he wanted a good seat to see it happen. He didn't want to be in the city when it happened, but he wanted to see him punished. Verse 6. Then the Lord appointed a plant and it grew up to provide shade over Jonah's head to ease his discomfort. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down so much on Jonah's head that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, he replied, it is right. I'm angry enough to die. That's pretty mad. So the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. Should I not care for the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left? Indicating, you know, children. Uh, yeah, as well as many animals. Now, it seems like an odd place to, to, to end, but uh, here's the thing. Stop pouting. You know, just stop pouting when things don't go as you think they should. Stop pouting when things you know, don't go as you think that they should have or when things don't go as you would like them to go. Stop your pouting. Now, you see, we pout a little bit more sophisticatedly as an adult. In fact, you may pout more now than you did when you were a kid. If you don't think you pout, ask your spouse. And ask them to be honest with you and be ready for their answer. And, you know, and then don't pout when they give you the answer, okay? Just a thought for you. Just, a, just, 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 you know, a thought for you. You know, stop pouting when things don't go your way. Because you know what? What God wants is a lot more important than what you want. What God wants, and He has that whole picture. We're we're working from partial pictures. It's encouraging to me, you know. God continues to work with and care for Jonah here, even though Jonah's being. Um, unreasonable, even though Jonah's being foolish. Uh, you know, and God will care for us. God will care for us and about us, even when we're being foolish. Again, it's not the place you want to be. You know, it's not the place you want to be, but God will care for us. And Jonah would have liked to have that plant stay. Well, while God was caring for him, God was also getting his attention there. With all that's going on in, in this book here, the one thing I want you to be sure to not miss, you know, the one, what, you know, really the whole reason that drew me to this, that drew me to this book, uh, the, the one thing, prayer is not to help God understand our heart better. That's not what prayer is for. Trust me, God understands your heart better than you understand your heart. Prayer is not to give God that information so that he can understand our heart better. Prayer is for us to understand God's heart better. In all of this, what Jonah needed most was to understand God's heart. 
That's what he needed most. And God reveals it to him at the, at the end of the book here. He should have had it at the beginning. You know, it, it, it seems, you know, it seems Jonah did know much of God's heart, uh, but he just purposely disobeyed. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You know, I mean, why? It's, it, it's crazy. You know, now, let me ask you, you know, so, so out of all of the things that you pray for, how often have you at how often have you asked God that he would help you understand his heart in this matter you see we're too often pleading our own case thinking we can make a good case with God and then by golly he'll do what we want but how often have you prayed and asked him to understand his heart in a situation or how how many times have you prayed asking God to help you understand his heart for the person you're mad at that you would understand his heart in that situation prayer is not to help God understand our heart better but it's for us to understand God's heart better Let's pray, and we're gonna we are gonna use the, do the closing song. We'll, we're gonna sing that song again. Uh, Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Andrew, can you make sure that's pulled up back there for us, buddy? Uh, we're gonna do that song. You know, not not I, but through Christ in me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for how you reach out and love us, even when we do stupid things. Even when we try to run from you, you still reach out and love us and care about us and care for us. Help us to understand your heart. Your heart for people. Your heart for us. Your heart that sent Christ to the cross because we are sinners. Because we are sinners. Mold us more and more, not only into the people you want to be, but more and more a reflection of Christ, who went to that cross for our salvation. May we, may we bring honor to your name by how we live, and not embarrassment by our foolishness. We thank you. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.